2: Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host Jake Burns. We are dealing with the Browns off day coming off of yesterday's Orange and Brown scrimmage. So if you missed my insights on that Orange and Brown, well it was a practice. If you missed those insights, please uh, please check those out because there's a lot of insights on pretty much every single position, who played where, updated on the OBR site, the depth chart that I was able to pull from rewatching and Uh, coming to understand who they're playing with what groups. That is on there in the Ask the Insider section. And then, uh, like I said, you're going to get insights on every angle of practice, which is the best view that we have had of what is going on uh, with the the Browns and Berea and what they've been doing that we haven't always had the best glimpses of on the practice field. So we got a feel for a lot of different players, a lot of the schemes they're going to use, personnel settings, who's going to align where, some of that stuff. So check it out. I think it was a pretty good podcast well worth your time to figure out ahead of Saturday's first preseason game uh, who's playing where who's playing when and what you might see so uh, we have two guests today well two sort of guests we have the first guest is Andre Weingarten he's with with Madden he does a fantastic job for them he's been with them for a while I believe Andre came up through the ranks as a as a streamer and um caught madden's eye and that's how he kind of got on to the to the team he's their franchise designer he's a ratings adjuster at ea sports madden nfl head of research and analytics for them i think he's a sharp guy i think he does a lot of work he puts in a lot of work for his job so i'm a video gamer in my free time when i can find time i have always played football video games we've been subjected to just one video game I still playing a madden uh like well just last year i played in a madden league but i've always played in NCA league A 14 League that you, if you're a listener of this podcast all the time, you're pretty well aware of. Uh, But I have been in and out of Madden, but I always buy it. I always pay attention to it, and I'm really excited, actually, about some of the things they're doing this year. If you're not a video gamer, I'm sorry. Fast forward past this. This is going to be all about intricate details of Madden, some about the Browns players, too. But intricate details of how they come to the decisions that they do, the process by which they go making this game and the improvements on the next-gen console, stuff like that, kind of nerdy here, if you're not into that. So, again, off-day topic, man. we am going to talk about sports video games. But, I, I mean, I genuinely do, even if you're not a video gamer, it's interesting to see how they come up to these decisions because this is a multi-billion-dollar company. How they make these decisions about players and how, how well they rate them or whatever is fascinating to me. So, uh, yeah, let's get over to that interview with Andre right now, and we will have another guest after we finish up with Andre. Andre, our yearly tradition, man. Thanks so much for <laughs> thanks so much for coming on the show.
3: It is absolutely my pleasure. It's great to be back.
2: Yeah, you're talking to. Uh, I don't listen. I don't think a ton of Browns pods put out deep dive Madden content, but I'm a believer in the game. I have been. I pay homage to my <laughs> childhood, and I still I still like the game. I still like the. You have your feelings on it, people. That's fine. I think it's. I still think it's a really good football game, and I think it's getting it's gotten better. I'm really excited about the strides you guys are. You can't make everyone happy, Andre. I think you guys do a good job, and I think I think that the strides you're making in some of the things that people of my age care about, which is the franchise mode and mm-hmm. all of that stuff, the stuff you guys have implemented, I've been very, very, very happy with. So I want to, yeah, like tell everybody what what's going on this year, what's new with the game, what you're excited about from a developer, all of those things.
3: Okay. Do you want me to start with franchise or gameplay?
2: Do do them both. Go franchise, then dive into gameplay.
3: Okay. Franchise. We have a lot of really new exciting things to the mode this year uh we'll start off with coaching staff where you know we've added coordinators we added your player personnel department um being able to progress those and work towards things that we call uh talent trees so basically through performance you're able to earn staff points you know whether it be playing games or completing objectives goals in games etc and you're able to buy special talents or perks for your coaches down one of those trees, your head coach, your offensive, defensive coordinator, player personnel. Uh, The, the coordinators are really your on the field difference makers when it comes to improving player performance. The head coach is a lot more about growing your staff and growing your team through practice, through, you know, training, things of that nature. And player personnel is obviously your player acquisition department, trades, draft, et cetera. So uh, yeah, trades, draft, free agency, all those things so that's part one and i'm really excited about that that's one of the features that i've worked most heavily on personally so i'm really excited for it we have a lot of really cool talents and the way that you earn them and can progress and the different ways that you can basically build up your coaching staff is really exciting uh after that we have obviously done some big changes to our franchise hub where we got rid of that coach's office that's been around for a while. And streamlined the menus, provided a lot of information that we can lay out in those menus. So, you know, whether it be matchup stats or a variety of other really interesting key pieces, better navigation gets you kind of immersed more with the entirety of your league. Um, after that, we added brand new to our training system, our weekly strategy which is really cool it especially on next gen it has next gen stats integration so you have an idea of what your opponent is running and what they're good at what what they're weak at and you can pick to emphasize your strength or weakness for that week's game plan uh there's risk reward so if you pick let's say against the ravens to stop the quarterback scramble you're going to be giving up your pass rush, and you're going to, uh, but you're going to improve your contain, among other things. Uh, if you say that you want to run inside zone more, you're going to sacrifice some of your practice time and efficiency on outside zone, but your inside zone blocking will be better. So things like that, um, and tying into that in the practice is progressive fatigue. So progressive fatigue is our basic way to showcase wear and tear over the season, Uh, You can you can suffer a practice injury if you try if you're training too hard. So you can determine how how, you know, full reps or half reps or, you know, backups mainly for your training, which will impact your XP gain, your boosts for that week, etc. But your guys are more fresh for that week. And progressive fatigue is basically something that will accumulate over the course of the season. Football's a war of attrition. So being able to manage that and mitigate that can help uh, separate you from other teams. And yeah, I mean, tying into dynamic game day onto gameplay itself, we added a lot for next gen. Uh, just an absolute tremendous amount. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop for a second. I want your thoughts before I go any further.
2: I love it, man. I think I think one of the things that is has gotten lost in the shot and I'm weird Andre. I play in a dynasty of of NCA 14 still I I've hit you up too many times with questions about hey are they bringing NCA back man cuz we got a sick bunch of degenerates 12 of us who play in this league for a while and I really <laughs> like the coaching trees I like that you can improve your recruiting you can improve your coaching and you guys expanding that as a part of like you know developing You know, developing your coaching staff—it's a big part of any NFL organization. Building coaching trees and building your staff—and and and it's a—it's an extreme advantage that I think in former games you would agree, you didn't feel a difference playing Bill Belichick than you did a first-year coach like Zach Taylor. Like, there's no difference. Correct. There should yep. be a difference there. And I think that's what you guys are going for because it's it's a real thing. It's a, The coaching part of it, the, the player development part of it is a real part of what makes teams better than other teams for long periods of time. So I love it. I love that. I didn't even know. You just told me a nugget. I've, I've looked up some things, but the nugget that you have there on uh, progressive fatigue is fantastic. You, that's a huge thing coaches have to do throughout the year. And the Browns are doing it right now. We talk about the Browns going – uh, giving regimented days off to players in camp and, and old school yep. thought processes. Why would you do that? That's weakness. What? A-? Well, they're trying to mitigate soft tissue injuries. They're trying to mitigate the hamstrings, the groins. It's somewhat working, somewhat not working. They've got some guys who are still out with hamstrings and groins, and that's a part of the thing that you have to manage. If you're going full go four days a week, nonstop, you know, hit them, bring them to the ground practice, you're going to deal with nicked up injuries and some serious injuries. You know, Not all injuries in the NFL, think Deshaun Watson when he tore his ACL, happen on a game Game. they happen in practice. Yep. So that's a real part of it. I like that realistic element, man. So that's exciting. I think it makes I think that what should happen with franchise dynasty modes, whatever you it is you play, wh- does it make me think? Does it make does it challenge me? And I think that's yep. that's the point, man. If you're just I I guess Andre, some people just play games to just the mindlessness of it, which is cool, but I like to think my way through things and that's a part of immersing yourself in the world of trying to do what a head coach does or do what a coordinator does or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think I think that part of things can be can be extremely cool. So talk about gameplay enhancements, what you guys have tried to do, because I would imagine I have this question later and you can kind of piggyback on it right now. But like next gen, does next gen allow you to incorporate more stuff? Like, I guess at a nuts and bolts level, Andre, like what does what does you for you guys as developers of a game? What does yeah. the next gen allow you to do more of that makes it like, God, I can't wait. Does it give you more space to store uh, animations, more space to do creativity? Like, I just, I'm, I've always been curious about that.
3: Yeah. Uh, so before I get into the gameplay stuff, yes, uh, it does give you a lot more flexibility. You know, memory concerns on the older consoles, things that would slow runtime performance and things like that uh, are not as much of a concern, right? Because the, the scale of the, the hardware uh, increases so much that, you know, we, we basically have tremendous more flexibility. I remember the first time, obviously it was before we really built much of the game into the game yet, but like our loading screen was into game was like three seconds instead of 30. <laughs> wow. Like that, that was the first time, right. You know, th- then you add things and it slows down a little bit cause you have to load the textures and all that stuff. But it was just, it was unbelievable. It was almost instantaneous. Um, so, it's very different, you know, visual quality, uh, graphics cards, all sorts of different things really make it interesting and deeper, uh, giving us more opportunities to do exciting things. So, for gameplay, uh, we, we announced it last year as part of NextGen, but it's really a full embrace, you know, a full cycle with it, uh, NextGen player movement. So we do a lot of really cool things with next gen stats and next gen player movement where we actually track players based on their actual route data. So we have access to every route that every player is run and we mimic that when they are running their routes in game. So, you know, if a guy has a habit of rounding his routes at certain points or, you know, he does, you know, x y or z depending on leverage, we have All of that data and it's piped in for each individual player and we have obviously generics for people who don't have route data, but that's kind of the extent of the next gen player movement on the routes, and then we also have more realistic acceleration curves movement, uh, etc, so we slowed the game down a little bit because of that right. when you make players move a little bit more realistically, you're going to obviously have to slow things down. And we were kind of playing on like 120 speed before 120% speed. At least that's what it felt like. So scaling that down basically opened up a tremendous amount of our animation library that you hadn't been able to see before because there was no opportunity for animations to match like tackles and other things like that. So basically every time we went into a game with the new, With the new uh, motion, we were seeing animations that we've had for years that we haven't seen, which was really exciting, really cool to kind of get that to pay off. Um, We made big changes to the catching system. So for those of you who played the older NCAA games, you, you know what is considered single player catching where there's no two-man interactions like with aggressive catch and things like that, where you see them kind of get conjoined into an animation where there's context of each other, but you kind of lose control. We really went back to more of the single-player catching to really improve the amount of, I I guess put an emphasis on player control in general. And it's really fun. Once you get the hang of it, it is really good, really interesting. Uh, We improved the pockets. For the offensive line. So they actually will form a real pocket around you. Pass rush is stronger. um, You know. And then we added dynamic game day. So dynamic game day is like our big. Back of the box gameplay feature. Which is. Through a few different things. They're like factors for each stadium. And dynamic game day. Includes like the weather. um, You know temperature. the, The home field advantage environment. And then momentum. So. Here at EA, we are a believer in momentum based on, uh, you know, talking with people who played in the league, including one of our uh, developers who played offensive line in the NFL, uh, played for Washington, played for Denver. He's been in Seattle, played in different you know systems, was drafted in New England uh, back in 2007. So, you know, he, he's been around and he is a believer that momentum is real and that there are home field advantages. So. You know, we've done a tremendous amount of research. The gameplay team, I give them tremendous credit. Uh, They went through basically every single team to find some tangible portion of their history or of their environment uh, that is a home field advantage. Like the dog pound is the Cleveland Browns advantage uh, where, you know, the the play art gets shaky and it's harder to hear when you're uh, in the red zone on offense for the opposing team, kind of referencing the the Denver Broncos game in the late 80s where they forced them to flip the field because the, you know the dog pound was throwing batteries and and all sorts of stuff at the players. So that's the the Cleveland Browns home field advantage. And that's a persistent thing that they have. Um, and then momentum is basically, you know, you have a meter and based on performance and what happens on the field, you can either mitigate certain elements or you can impose other elements on the opposing team like being able to be immune to pressure as the quarterback or, you know, really ruining someone's play art, uh, you know, things like that. So momentum, dynamic game day, all of those really fun, interesting qualities uh, really make each game feel different from one another, which was a huge goal on our end.
2: Yeah, that, the stuff about home fields unique. I think it's cool. It should be a part of it. There's definitely going to be a reemphasis of that in the NFL last year in general. Finally, yep. getting fans back. I think that that was evident to me at the twenty-seven thousand people in the Brown Stadium just just yesterday was kind of like, "Wow, man, these guys really make an impact." And there's nobody even oh, yeah. in the upper bowl, so that part of it's really cool. I definitely think adding animations, making more of a user emphasis on catches, is going to be extremely fun too. I like the sound of that. I'd be pretty pumped to see what it looks like when we get our hands on the game. I have a, a different sort of topic for you. Okay, okay. I want I want to know. You know, I know you're heavily involved in the ratings process. And I'm curious, I think you should enlighten folks on how much detail goes into that. (laughs) And it is one of them. And listen, I know it's the thing that you get yelled at the most about. Uh, I I understand it must be a headache for you. But I I genuinely think people think you guys just throw darts. And I I think you you pull a lot of information from a lot of sources. And on top of that, Andre, I wanted to ask you a, a question that you can maybe answer at the end of your response, which is like, has there ever been an a desire to maybe incorporate pro football focus into that since they already have some of that data information or mm-hmm. has that never been a thought that's crossed man's mind? Cause then there's like some level of, Hey, those guys are, this is the grade, this is a grade. And we trust the grade. And I just was curious about that, that how that all ties. Cause really what, what pro football focus has done is take what's been so popular for you guys for so long. And they're giving numbers to a sport that doesn't necessarily give individual people numbers. You know what I mean?
3: Yep, absolutely. So uh, I'll, I'll start by saying that we are partnered with both NextGen Stats and Pro Football Focus to some extent. Um, obviously, NextGen Stats is a very forward facing partner as it's everywhere in our game and what drives our movement engine, as I mentioned. But we do work with them to some extent. Uh, we have tons of information that we get from them, as well as Next Gen Stats, and we use both of it. So the ratings process is not simple, but it's straightforward where we go we watch film on every single player as a collective and the ratings adjusters get together each week you know a dozen people more than that get together in a room on mondays and we discuss what we saw over the weekend and we have notes and we have thoughts and we have you know all sorts of things and then we turn to the qualitative data whether it be the next gen stats the pff the uh You know, and and we go back and we double check on film. We're going to the all 22 after that for the remainder of the week. And we're basically breaking down every single player from every team each week and adjusting based on performance. So there's a lot of different voices in the room with a lot of differing perspectives, but all people who are massive football fans who really key in on the finer points of the game. And that gives us the opportunity to get a full encompassing picture that for the most part really eliminates the bias of any individual, you know, every, I would say pretty much everyone who enjoys sports is a fan of a team. But when you have all the different people in the room with all different fandoms, some competing, you know, you get a lot more balance and, and we all know who each person likes. So we can kind of call them out on it. We could ask for differing opinions or, you know, avoid that team specifically. There's all sorts of different things that we can do to mitigate that. And at the end of the day, we get together, we agree on, on what we come up with. And then we move on to the next week.
2: Yeah. So it's just like you guys have a disagreement about a rating of a player. Um, There's disagreements that happen in house. I think that's what's different than, you know, you you got Madden 90 or Madden 2004. The ratings never changed. It was a flat line rating for the entire season. You know, Mm -hmm. like those, that's the difference. Now it's dynamic. So say you don't, you know, Donovan Peoples Jones to relate it to Cleveland fans here starts out as a 70. Say he has four electric weeks to start the season he's gonna get a he's gonna get a bump so you are getting a level of more realism again the ratings of a player are so subjective and that's not just (laughs) you guys Andre that's people across the NFL you know Wyatt Teller's terrible to Buffalo they'll trade him for a seventh but Cleveland loves him and turns him into something great so like I get you might not agree with it, but also a really cool thing you can do since the start of this game, I don't know, 20 years ago, you can edit the ratings to fit whatever you would like them to be. So, yep. <laughs> like, take that yep. complaint and run with it when you get the game and do whatever you, I know you the online gameplay, you can't mess with it, but like... You know, it's just, you're never going to agree with every single thing, like anything in your life. So going, logging onto Twitter and yelling at somebody and calling them an idiot or whatever the, the, the verbiage use, it's just like, <laughs> come on, man, find a better use of your time because these people are trying to put out a game for millions of millions of people and they don't have millions of millions of workers to, to go through every fine piece of data that they can. And they do to the best of their ability, but mm-hmm. it's a and, lot, and, man. Yeah.
3: You have to remember that an overall is just a, a combination of all of the key attributes, right? You know, when we go through, uh, I would say the majority of people that I have had unpleasant interactions with on social media have been obsessed with the overall rating number. The individual ratings, they don't really have as many complaints. So, you know, you can have a picture of what a player's supposed to be, but... If you say, well, you know, let's say Donovan Peoples-Jones is a good example, right? 70 overall. Let's say he puts up, you know, 300 yards across four games. You know, electric stuff, as you mentioned. Uh, But he had six drops in that four-week period. His catching might go down, which will limit how much he can go up. Because it's a formula. Right, his route running might go up, his awareness might go up, his spectacular catch might go up, his run after catch abilities might go up, but the catching goes down, and that's a big deal. So that you know, that's kind of part of it, right? A player could be excellent; he could put up a tremendous amount of stats, but maybe he fumbles a lot, or maybe he, uh, you know, is, is not good in contested catch situations. Maybe he doesn't force missed tackles. Uh, you know, Darren Waller is a pretty good example of that. He doesn't force a tremendous amount of missed tackles, but he makes a tremendous amount of plays. And then you have guys like George Kittle who had a a ton of drops. Tyree Kill missed out on the 99 Club because he had 13 drops last year. You know, like there's each of those individual ratings get pooled together to come up with an overall rating formula that's supposed to, for the best or most part, represent the totality of a player's abilities. And obviously certain ratings mean more to a user than it does to the formula right? Whether it be speed, whether it be the way that you deploy a player, but that just means that in your scheme, they're considered more valuable than what the game considers them. That's really it.
2: Yep. 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 A lot of moving parts, man. And, and you got to too, when you're looking at players, like we talked about Wyatt Teller is a perfect example. When you're talking about one of the highest rated Browns, (laughs) it's like a guy who's good in one, one, particular field than the other he's better at certain guys are just they're better at certain things and when they're better at certain things if they're poor at other things it drags their overall markdown so you have to look at it like if you want to play a back who catches the football better i'm pre- i think it's pretty obvious you guys would want kareem hunt on the field on, in cleveland like if we're throwing yep. the football so, but he's not going to have as high a grade as Nick, who's a better pure runner, and he's going to have higher ratings there. So I just wanted to kind of flush that out for folks who get a little annoyed with it. Mm-hmm. And you're not winning anything by logging on and yelling at Mad, Madden, <laughs> Madden creators. Like, that doesn't help. They're, they don't wake up in the morning being like, you know what? Joey 46683232 2 yelled at me about uh, Donovan Peoples Jones grade needs to go the, the, just stop wasting your time like stop. <laughs> so let's talk real quick on the way out the door Andre we've almost gone to a half hour here which is fantastic cuz you've given us some great insights. Like just give me your favorite players on the Browns roster based on ratings and some of those other things. I know there's two couple 90 players who are the two second contract guys obviously and Nick and Miles but yep maybe some other guys on the roster you're excited to use in this year's game.
3: I mean, obviously, Wyatt Teller's a monster. He's the highest-rated offensive lineman on the team for us at an 89 overall. Uh, You know, elite run blocker, very high awareness, very high strength. Uh, Will, you know, mash people's faces in when he's pulling, when he's just in general has so much pop in his pads. Um, The offensive line in general is spectacular. Uh, Beyond that, John Johnson, very high IQ player, really interesting to watch what he does for the Browns. He's not the best athlete in the world, but he has really good change of direction, very good uh, you know, lateral mobility. So if he's used in the right role, he can be sensational for you. Um, obviously, Anthony Schwartz is a speed demon, You know, very fun player to use, being one of the fastest players in the league and maybe one of the fastest human beings in the world, uh, a former track athlete. But I want to gush about their first-round pick. What have you, before I get there, what do you think about Mr. Greg Newsome?
2: Good, good, good versatility. He can play inside and out. They've used him a little bit inside, but I like him. He's a cerebral guy. I think he can do both things. He can play man. He can play zone. Uh, I think he's twitchy. He's really twitchy. I think he's, uh, you know, a, a smart guy, not just on the field off. I There's a lot to like about Greg Newsome. I don't think he's going to, he's not going to hurt you very often. I just, uh, as long as he can keep his body physically right, I, I'm yep. excited about where he can go and, and down the line. He's got good confidence. The confidence you want your corners to play with, uh, all of that stuff. So it's early. I need to see him in the preseason some, but I liked what I saw yesterday uh, for, for his first experience in an actual NFL stadium like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm high on Greg. I think people get, log on and yell about not taking more, taking Bateman, but I think they took the right corner in the situation they were given.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Uh I would argue that he had the best tape of any corner in this class. Um, I think Sertain is obviously the the premier, you know, cerebral guy, the you know, the press man. Uh, he can play his own coverage, but he's not the athlete that Newsom is. I think that's what separated him. Uh, when I when I watched Newsom, I saw a guy who could play press man. He was better and off, but he could play press man. He could play quarters. He could play cover three. He could play cover two. Um, just incredible athleticism, so high IQ, never got beat over the top, ever. And obviously, c- cover uh, you know qu- uh, quarters lends itself to that. But it didn't really matter who he faced, you know. No matter who was across from him, they really had almost no impact on the game. And you know, physical player plays with the edge, very smart. Um, you know, ball skills could be a little bit better, but I mean, he he really is so good that we have him tied for the best corner in this rookie class because he is so versatile because he's such a good athlete and can do so many things. So I, I I loved him pre draft. So to see him go to the Browns, I'm like, okay, okay. Him and Denzel Ward in that system, (laughs) this is going to be fun.
2: Yeah. We're excited. We're definitely excited. And, and, I think i think it's a better madden team too collectively the grades have gone up for a lot of guys the ratings i should say they're not grades but the ratings have gone up and i think they're going to be one of the more fun additions of of any browns team that you guys if you're madden players have played with so i hope i hope everybody enjoyed this i think you got a lot a lot of insights from andre about about how they go about this and and uh it's layered, man. It's extremely layered and nuanced and it's not it's not just throw darts at a board and we'll meet at the in March and figure out a game and woohoo, we're here. Like it's there's a twenty <laughs> four seven three sixty five process. So I appreciate you coming on and taking your time, Andre, and, and tell everybody when they can get the game and all of that.
3: All right. The game officially launches worldwide on August twentieth. Uh you can get it early through pre order. I believe the you get it seven days early, somewhere in there. Uh, So make sure to do that and I thank you so much for having me. This was absolute blast
2: My pleasure man. My pleasure every year. I like to chat with you about this I think it's fun and it's a big part of who I was growing up and I keep I keep doing it So I always try to to parlay that nostalgia to to the fan base So hopefully you guys enjoyed it too. Thanks Andre My pleasure Okay, so now we shift to the second portion of our show, which listen I know some of you are not twitch watchers. You're just podcast listeners I really don't want to pull too many things from Twitch unless it's a wildly important conversation, which I think this one ended up being a fantastic conversation. I'm going to try when we do these to mute the alerts. There's some alerts and different subscriber notifications and things you can do on Twitch that, unfortunately, I can't edit those out. We can, we can turn those off if we have the opportunity to turn them off, the volume of those ahead of time. But this one turned into a, an interview that, I didn't expect to share, but again, there were so many good insights from Mark Schofield, who, uh, if you don't follow Mark Schofield, you should definitely aim to rectify that. Mark does a fantastic job covering quarterback play, among many, many other things. He he writes on the Patriots, uh, does plenty of work uh, around the NFL, not just the Patriots, but he talks, like I said, he's he's heavy into at least well as well-respected as anybody in quarterback play. He writes for Touchdown Wire, which is USA Today. Um... A branch of USA Today and does a great job. He's covered the Patriots, a little bit of quarterback play in his background. And uh, I wanted to talk to him about Baker. I wanted to talk to him about Odell. And then I wanted to talk to him about the uh, Sports Info Solutions data contest that he entered, which examined different past concepts and how successful those past concepts are based on coverages and things of that nature. So man, this turned into a really, really fun conversation that branched into quarterback mechanics and all the above. You're going to hear Steven Thomas, who is a part of our OBR Twitch uh, host setup. He's going to have a question at the end of this thing. So again, I'm really sorry if you want to jump out of this pod, cause you can't handle the no- the notification noises. There's not that many of them, but there are some, I understand if that's annoying to you, I'm going to really try not to do it like I said, but there's sometimes things that are so good, I just want to cross share. And this is one of them. So I hope you hope you can stand the noises that, that crop up a little bit. We turn the volume on them down somewhat, but they're still, they're still audible uh, in certain parts. But I hope you can get something out of this because I think it's a really great conversation.
4: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: Yeah, Mark, uh, I know we've talked many times, man, Um, was curious, you know, I think a thing that gets a lot of play is footwork tweaking. You know, I think that's a big thing they talked about with Josh Allen, his his progression over time has been tied to mechanically getting better. I think it's no secret that Aaron Rodgers has given a lot of credit to Alex Van Pelt, who helped him tweak his footwork. Uh, Do you, I, I guess the question I would have is, you know as you look at this 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 uh, right foot forward approach i just kind of wanted your thought on what you think of the right foot forward approach as, as as a as a means to minimizing you know wasted movement in in any kind of shotgun situation do you think it has merit do you think it's just another way of thinking or should or in your opinion do you like guys to just do what they're most comfortable doing because some guys are squared up guys some guys are left foot forward guys i just was curious because it's kind of drawn a lot of attention. And I didn't know if you've seen anything. I don't know if you've broken Baker down, like, you know, fine-tunedly broken him down, but if you've seen anything in the last year or so that you think changed from 19 to 20 to help him find a little bit more consistency, I know you touched on it with play action. Some of those things that putting him in situations, he feels comfortable, but I didn't know if mechanically you saw anything that, that change that caught your eye?
1: I mean, just a general overall tightness of the delivery, Jake, which I think has, you know, been a process of, that Baker has gone through and a lot of quarterbacks have gone through. You start getting into, you know, sort of familiar mechanical movements when you're in college, when you can sort of get away with things, and you realize that, you know, when you get to the NFL, when the windows are tighter, when the athletes are better, when the throw lanes are so much smaller, every little wasted movement is a knock against you. So you really have to sort of make things much crisper. I think all sort of young quarterbacks go through that process where they realize the elaborate and lo- elongated movements I get away with on Saturdays aren't going to – they're not going to fly on Sundays. And so I think a general sort of tightness of the throw motion, particularly in the upper body, is one thing. Now, with respect, Jake, to the sort of right-foot-forward approach, I'm more of the mind when it comes to something like that i try to look at what is the quarterback more comfortable with whether it's you know right foot forward left foot forward squared up what are you more comfortable with number one now If starting with say that staggered left foot forward stance is delaying your drop, if a quarterback has gotten to a situation where he's in the gun, left foot forward, he takes a choppy right step back first and it throws off timing or delays his drop or it, you know, then gets his footwork off kilter, then we have to sort of address that. It's very similar to the idea that I always have mechanics don't matter until they matter. Like, If the quarterback is getting the ball out on time and rhythm, I don't care if he's standing squared up, left foot, right foot, on one leg. I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter. But if you're standing one way and it's impacted time and rhythm, anticipation and placement on throws, that sort of trap and and an acronym I love to sort of refer to, then we got to sort of fix that up. So as long as Baker, you know, whether it's right foot forward and he's still fluid with it and he's comfortable with it and it's not impacted the timing and the rhythm of throws and decisions, I'm okay with it. But if it starts impacting things, then yeah, you know, get the quarterback out of his comfort zone and find a way to get that timing and rhythm and anticipation back.
2: I would say to another question that is, is pertinent in, the, in these circles, especially leading into this year, I'm sure you're aware of it, Mark is, the idea of Odell and Baker and whether they can actually perform together they can make sense they can find some level of success that they have not found in their first two years i'm of the belief that you, pro- you 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 would have seen more success with Baker's last year wore on as everybody got comfortable but a thing that i think has to happen and again this is this is presuming that you've watched Cleveland's offense last year extremely closely which i think you do for the most part Granted, they give us that all 22 again. We can keep doing it this year, but um, Mm -hmm. sore subject is, do you think they need to move him off X occasionally? Because this offense drives the football downfield with that route concept. You know, they're a heavy layered concept anyway, whether that's boot action or, you know, whatever concept they want to throw. And I have another concept question for you. I know your study you just did. I'll get to that question in a little bit. Um, Do you think they need to move Odell off of X? Because a lot of what they did last year were, you know routes that X would be pushing the, the vertical tree and uh, with that eyes go to him uh, naturally as they would at any point when Odell's on the field and it takes him away it does open up things for other people but you don't necessarily go make the trade you do for Odell to get other people open you need that guy to produce some so do you think he needs to be the point man slot trips to Z a little bit putting him in motion more. Like, do you think that's an element that can unlock Odell? Because I've just had the hunch when I wrote about how this offense can change this year. I think it is. But I'm curious if you think he can find consistent enough success in this layer-based offense at X alone.
1: I'm very It's a very similar, Jake, to the conversation we just had about helping your quarterback, right? I, I think you have to have that same sort of mindset for a receiver of Odell's caliber. And that, look, you could align him at X and he could run the verticals on a lot of these flood concepts, these layered concepts, and every once in a while you're going to find opportunities to hit him downfield. But like you said, you don't acquire a receiver of his talent, of his skill set, to just have him take the top off defenses. You want to find ways to get him involved. You want to do things that will help him get open and help your offense open overall i think of arizona there was a time where arizona last season their offense was extremely stagnant and part of the reason was every snap deandre hopkins their best receiver was aligned as an x to the left side you knew exactly where he was he was never in motion he was never moving in pre-snap they weren't putting him in stacks they weren't putting him in in the slot they weren't moving him around pre-snap they weren't doing the things to get him favorable matchups even before the play begins and so, and then that gets you into the route concepts that they were using. It's sort of a similar thing with Cleveland and Odell, I think. If you just put him at the X and have him run the verticals, your 13 personnel stuff, he's the sole receiver on the field. Your 12 personnel stuff, he's the guy going deep. And somebody else, whether it's Donovan People jones or Jarvis Landry, is running that cross or over the middle. And he's just, you know, if he's there, take the shot. Great. Otherwise, you're looking for the other guy. That, that's a, a waste of resources if you're doing that with him the majority of the time. I think you want to move him around. I think you want to try to get those favorable matchups for him and also, as you know, Jake, those pre-snap movements and motions, that's an indicator for the quarterback coverage. It gets you information before the snap, and it also gives you impact at the snap because you're getting your your best receiver potentially either a favorable matchup or at least a coverage indicator that Baker now knows, okay, well, it's going to be zone. Nobody trailed him. Now he's on the inside. He's going to get a free release, and he can work up the seam against this coverage or he can work into the sort of underneath sit-down areas against this underneath coverage. So, yeah. I think you move Odell around as much as you can. I think you try to get those favorable matchups, motion for impact, motion for information, and try to get your best receiver situations where he can excel.
2: Yeah, I think you can get a little comfortable keeping him over there one-on-one on one side thinking that's just going to work all the time. And the other
1: thing, Jake, it, uh, you, you know this as well as anybody, like try to get yourself into the mind of an opposing defensive coordinator, right? Yep. The more things you have to think about, the more practice time you have to spend on different looks, that's going to make it tougher to put together a game plan that can win on Sunday. So if you know every time that, that Odell is on the field, he's going to line as an X on the left side, that's, some, that's one less you have to prepare for. If you have to start thinking, okay, if he's going to motion, if they're going to put him in a stack behind you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, this is what we have to do. Or if they're going to put him in a stack behind you know, Jarvis Landry, this is what we have to do. If we see a motion out or motion back into the formation, these are all things we have to prepare for. That's X amount of time you have to spend each week getting ready for that. So I think absolutely. When you try to approach things from a defensive coordinator's perspective, you'll find ways to sort of – oh, these are things that perhaps our offense should be doing on Sundays.
2: It's a great point. It's a great point. I think they tried to address it by going and getting Anthony Schwartz to to level a little bit of that. And that's probably the underrated part of a Donovan Peoples-Jones emergence, that you actually have a guy who can threaten defenses vertically and you can put him there. And if if he gets one-on-one and gets a wiggle, you know, he hits a stem at the top of a corner post and he's open, chuck it. That's the difference. Sometimes eyes get going down in the intermediate levels when you have 13 and 80 playing down there which then leads to some guys running open downfield. And we know the Browns did not take many shots 30-plus yards downfield. They just they didn't throw it deep, and it's an element of the offense. And why I continually said that they felt like they were just operating in the red zone all season because everything was so condensed. So it's a, it's a part that they need to unlock this year. Talk, talk to folks, Mark, if you can. We did a chalk talk. We did a series all off-season on our on our YouTube channel which we've converted over here to Twitch for the last few episodes about everything from a basic standpoint. We did defense mark, we did open close coverage. We did everything we could to try to teach our OBR followers some basics of the things they see on Sundays. And one of them was touching on pass concepts. And we did all of them. Smash, Yankee. We did we went through the the most common NFL concepts, Mesh, all of them. And I think you did a study that I would love for people to get an eye to get their eyes on and and, and looking at how past concepts translate to success on the field which ones are the best nfl concepts? it's a it's a freaking great idea first of all man i don't know where you came into that if that was your idea uh i know that in that situation there would need to be like 14 people smarter than me to pull something like that off but i was curious a like what's your process in terms of are you going through every single game for 16 weeks and saying like charting concepts you're noticing and b sort of how does it all come together to the from the data perspective
1: Yeah, it it was a fascinating experience, Jake. Um, I was part of a group that had a submission in the Sports Info Solutions Data Challenge. And what the sort of data challenge was, was they gave us, you know, all of their play-by-play charted data from last season, something like 17,000 plays, where you had, you know, down distance, everything, you know, sort of a, a timestamp nature to, you know, what every, what each receiver on the play, what route they ran, the coverage it was up against, the expected points added for each play. And the questions we had to answer were what were the most popular route combinations last year, route concepts last year, and what route concepts worked the best against each coverage. And so you didn't have say smash on a play you didn't have say yankee on a play you just had for smash you had you know one on a hitch two on a corner for yankee you had one on a post the opposite one on an over so we had to sort of build a model and build a playbook for okay what are the popular route combinations route concepts. How can we identify them? And we ended up building like a computer model to identify it all. And again, this was Dr. Bud Davis, who's a geologist. This is Keegan Abdo. This is Joe Ferriola. Uh The two of them work at NFL Next Gen Stats who did a lot of the sort of modeling stuff. I only did a handful of it. I was more on the football side of it. But what we ended up doing was we had 36 route combinations and then we sort of started testing them, testing them against each coverage, testing them against middle field, open versus middle of the field close, you know, testing them what routes performed better on, on RPO look versus a traditional drop back. And we found some interesting stuff. Like the reason why I wanted to do it was because so much of the game right now is fought on the RPO too high. Look pre-snap, right. You know, last spring, uh, the people over at Huddle, they put together Huddle Blitz 21, where they had sort of a virtual clinic for coaches and people that were interested about the game. And wh- we all know and love Chris Vassor, at, at Coach Vass on Twitter. Chris is actually in the hospital right now. He's got COVID. We're all pulling for him and praying for him. He's getting better with thinking of Coach Vass. But he had this defensive coordinator roundtable where he talked to guys like Kyle Kogan and uh, Coach Alexander about you know what they do at the high school level. And all of these coaches tell you, We want the opposition to run the football, like which is unheard of for an old guy like me who played with leather helmets. Right. Like we always wanted to run the football in high school. But defensive coaches want you to run the football because they're afraid of the pass, And so they're they're showing you too high pre-snap and daring you to run against light boxes. So I thought, okay, well, I wrote a whole piece about post out. I think that's the concept of the future, the wave of the future, right? It's a great thing to attack cover four, cover two, because the outside on the post, you get inside guy on the deep out. Safety has to drive down on that from inside leverage. Then you get the post against an outside leverage corner. I think it's perfect against these cover two, cover four looks. And we found putt was one of the worst plays last year (laughs) in our study in terms of expected points added. Now, my theory there is that – It's better at the college level, at the pro level, you get better athletes. And we did find it was a little bit better on RPOs, you know, but overall guys, we found Dino or Dino double post was a very effective route concept against cover two, cover four, cover three, like it works all the time. We also found what was very interesting was we found that there are what we called explosive plays and there are on schedule plays. The on-schedule plays are like your West Coast designs, slant flat, curl flat. They're not going to be explosive. They're not going to hit for big yardage and high amounts of EPA, but they're more successful more often because they're easy reads, easy throws, short throws, high percentage plays. We also found those explosive plays, right? You know, verticals, dagger, where you get the the seam and the dig, you know, mills, post dig. These are shot plays over the top that when they hit, they'll hit big, but they don't hit all the time. And we found that the best offenses – called a blend of the two and the browns interestingly enough and you can find this in the piece and on the twitter threads we've done about it the browns were one of those better offenses called a blend of the two although it did tend more towards the sort of on schedule west coast design but they did call a decent amount of, of explosive stuff as well but it was more you know, tended towards the on schedule stuff, but it was a fascinating study. I'm still going through the data. I'm now look, I'm, I'm reading these books on how to code with R and things like that. Like I'm going to try to do some fun stuff next season with this data, because, you know, as part of being the winning group, I get access to all the SIS data for next season. So that will be fun to play around with, but but it was interesting. Like, for example, I did a piece today about, you know, the best concepts against cover two, just straight cover two. And the, one we found was the most successful was what we call a diagonal nine, which is basically go flat. And it makes a lot of yeah. sense, right, Jake? Because yeah, yeah. the outside go, it's going to attack the turkey hold on the outside. And if that cor- that corner sort of has to stay home with the flat route, you can throw that whole shot. If he sinks, you can take the you know the flat route and the go flat. And it's why you're seeing so many different variations of cover two, like five cougar, like trap, like palms, where they're like, okay, go flat is just killing us. What are we going to do? We're going to have the corner sort of read two to one one trap that flat route to try to take it away get that safety over the top of one to cap that so you know that one kind of made sense there was some that didn't like spacing and was the most successful against cover 3 which I would have expected, you know, post-dig or Yankee or something else. But space it is one of those easy, safe throws that just works all the time. You could find somebody open against cover three. But a fun study, a lot of fun to be a part of. Follow those guys, uh, Dr. Bud Davis, uh, Keegan Abdo, uh, Joseph Ariola. You can find them on my Twitter feed. They're, they're brilliant. And if anybody's listening to this and is like, man, I want to hire these guys, hire one of them before me, please. They're, they're, they're all brilliant.
2: Yeah, this is it was really insightful stuff that I tried to share with as many people that could that could grasp it as possible, because it it is some stuff that you need to know, basic football concept things to understand, to really to really digest. And, and uh, when when Steve told me that you were coming on today, Mark, I really wanted to pinpoint a couple of those questions. So that's all I have, man. Thank you so much for answering those from my perspective. Guys, do you have any more to throw, Mark?
0: Uh, I've got one more if he's got just a couple of minutes. First, I did want to say that every time I start, you know, I try to study this stuff and I try to know be as intelligent as i can especially for the, through the draft process <laughs> every time i start to think that I've, I've got a handle on it mark starts talking and i immediately you feel like a coach listening to frazier talk about opera on cheers i, mean- I immediately turn into ernie pantu so <laughs> i just nod and that's okay yeah so um uh just a quick easy one uh you know since we just did a lot of that stuff you were talking about earlier with jake about the footwork and and um do it let a guy do be comfortable uh until it affects the results and it just being in Cleveland it brings me back to this question that I always giggle to myself about had draft Twitter been around when Bernie Kosar came out of college how much would they have shredded him I mean
1: yeah absolutely I mean I remember seeing Bernie play um when I was in high school um we had end zone seats for a Browns game at new England. And I was watching Bernie warm up and you're seeing that side. arm deliver and It's just like, how does he get the ball out like that? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, as a kid playing high school quarterback, I was just like, man, I would love, or like Dan Fouts with like the back pedal drop, like, you know, those are two prime sort of examples of, you know, that idea of mechanics don't matter until they matter. Because you can just imagine the tweets, the threads, all of this, oh. like people like looking at throws from Bernie being like, man, if he goes over the top here or, if, you know, if he has better footwork here with fouts or, I mean, even look, even think back to Mahomes. I mean, remember the Mahomes oh, discussion. Yeah. That's when I sort of came up with that phrase. Mechanics don't matter until they matter. It was sort of the Mahomes time because people were like, yes, this footwork, it's too loose. He's too lazy with his upper body throwing motion. He thinks he can get away with things. And I'm like, he's putting the ball where it needs to be. Like, Has it swung too far like-
2: though, Mark? Do you think that like – I think that we're in a, a point now where we're more accepting than ever of wonky footwork and things like that. The sidearm stuff, the crazy, you know, can you change your arm angle to make it all work? I think we're doing great things with accepting kids, like do what you're comfortable with, that stuff. But do you think, like, I've seen videos of this kid going to Ohio State, Quinn Ewers, who just yeah. is doing some really crazy stuff. And it's like, are kids just doing it now because it's like, it's it's almost like trick shot basketball. The Steph Cur- the way Steph Curry sort of changed basketball for everybody yeah, is yeah, there I mean, some of that stuff going on or is it is it gone too far to you or i'm curious i, I don't think. know if
1: it's gone too far yet but you can certainly jake see it sort of trending that way it's like you know the the, the sort of sports of of basketball you look at shot charts from 10 years ago to now everything's a three and i think part of that is because of the flow of the game and the way the game is played right now the way the game is called right now the value of the three-point shot but it's the same thing in football where it's like Okay, it, it, it's nice that you can make these throws. It's nice that you can drop these arm angles. It's nice that you can make these off-platform throws. But what is it going to look like on third and seven when you have to stay in the pocket and make a throw over the top on time exactly. and in rhythm? Like exactly. if all you're doing is sort of that chaotic stuff, the conundrum of comfort and chaos, which I wrote about Baker when he was in Oklahoma. Like that was what I titled the piece: the conundrum yeah. of comfort and chaos. Are we getting too far down the road where it's like? Man, all that you have to do to defend a quarterback is just keep him in the pocket now and, you know, force him to make a throw over the top. Like, you know, don't go up for throws. Like, make him throw over the top. I don't think we're there yet, Jake, but I do think that, like, as we sort of go down this road and we start sort of – it's the process versus results idea, right? We, we have to sort of appreciate the process that, that goes into making a decision from sort of huddle to snap to throw to finish. Right. If the process starts to get flawed, at some point, the results will. The results might look great now on Saturdays, but at some point, the results might get a little bit flawed down the road. And so we always have to be sort of when we're doing this evaluation to so be cognizant of sometimes the process might look great but what was the overall result and can that result be repeated on a down-to-down basis at the next level?
2: Yeah, that's where it's like you want you don't want to coach kids to be robots. You want them to have freedom in how they're comfortable doing it, but you also don't want to make the game harder on themselves. Right. And I think that that's something that even creeps into the NFL level too. So good question. I didn't mean to hijack it, Steve, but that's a great question about yeah. Bernie because I would be curious to like, what would people still pick apart Bernie? Maybe they would because Philip Rivers is kind of the modern Bernie, right? That's yep. sort of, I mean, sli- I, that, right. Go ahead, Mark.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think people would be more accepting of it now. They'd be sort of like, okay, well it still kind of works, but you know, there will always be, you know, people that say, look, you know, he's not going to pan out because of the mechanics. The mechanics can't be repeatable. Like look at these five different interceptions. Like these are results of the mechanics actually mattered. And so, you know, it, it's always sort of that tough line to walk. Now. I think if you were coming out now, there would certainly be some that would say, Bernie wouldn't make it, you know, Phillip rivers wouldn't make it. You know, even in some example, you look at Zach Wilson, you know, there were some of his throws where people are like, Hey, eh, he's kind of getting away with some stuff here that, you know, maybe that's fine against Texas state. But I don't know if that's going to fly against a Bill Belichick defense on Sundays.
2: Okay, guys, that's a wrap on today's episode. Thanks for checking out Twitch, joining us on there, subscribing. You guys continue to amaze us with your support on Twitch and your support primarily as a listener of this podcast to this podcast. You've shared the word. People are downloading it at a ridiculous rate. More and more daily subscribers. Again, if you haven't done that, make sure you do it so you get that automatic download. You can listen to it in the car, wherever you want to listen to it. On your workout, your walk, your jog, whatever you do, I really genuinely appreciate it. We're going to have so much fun when the regular season hits. And, and really once the first preseason game hits, because there's just going to be so much data to share with you guys from an everyday perspective. I wasn't doing this every day last year, and uh, this year I'm excited to get on that everyday schedule, and I think it'll be great. So thanks to Mark Schofield for joining our Twitch. Thanks to Andre Weingarten for, for coming on for that interview about Madden. If you have any questions for Andre, I'm sure he'd be willing to answer those for you before the game comes out. Pumped about that for Andre, because I think they made a good product this year. And thanks again to you guys for checking out this episode. Have a great day. We'll talk more after Browns minicamp, which we're going to have here on Tuesday. Talk more about it, see how they're doing, see how hard they go first day back after a day off. Should get some Odell Beckham this week. That's exciting. Keep your ears to the ground. There'll be plenty of people covering it. We'll have plenty of angles to talk about tomorrow night. Appreciate you guys again. And as usual, go Browns.